Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see you all. Isn't it nice seeing that fiery yellow thing in the sky? That's pretty cool. I've heard that's a pretty cool thing. Um, so I've done this many times. Uh, get ready, and I'm, I've got my nice shirt, and I get my tie, and I do a double tie because it's, you know, it's like, anyway, it's a certain way to tie a tie. It's the only correct way, and it looks real nice. And I get that tie, tighten it up, get the nice suit on, and then I get in my car, and I'm on my way driving through town, and I get to the parking lot, park, get out, and then I'm on my way to the door where there are a couple of other people in suits and ties, and they are greeting me and opening the door for me as I walk into the building. And as I walk into the building, I go through uh, the, the lobby area and open up to a pretty wide and, and large room, kind of like this. And inside of that room is uh, a bunch of family members who are hurting, uh, grieving the loss of a loved one because I'm in a funeral home. And, you know, how this typically goes is uh, everyone, like there's kind of a line that, that forms and people are sharing their condolences with the, the family who was left behind by the loss of their loved one. And as that goes on, eventually we get to the point in the day where there is a um, kind of understanding that, that everyone's going to sit down. And then at some point, usually um, I stand up and then I stand in front of the family and the friends of this loved one who was lost and I do the one of the most humbling things that I ever get to do, and that is to share God's word and to pray for and to give some encouraging words to those who have been left behind, who are grieving, who are hurting, to be the one to stand. And, and hopefully at, at this in this moment, there eventually gets to a point in this time where there will be friends and family members who stand up and they share some memories, uh, what we could usually call a eulogy. They uh, share a eulogy of of that person who has passed away. They share the some some funny moments. Hopefully, get some laughs to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. And uh, they share those those moments where that person loved them really well and 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 just showed themselves to be who they were and made a difference in their lives. And um, you know, eventually, the the a few people, about six or so, stand up and they are the ones who carry the casket out to the hearse and we go to the, the cemetery and we lay that person to rest. And, you know, each one of us will, you know, have probably been in that moment or been in that situation where we've walked into the funeral home. But what I know to be true for me and, and true for you too, unless Jesus comes back first, is that there's going to come a time when we're not the ones walking into the funeral home, but we're carried there and we're carried out. And that brings up a question in me that I have to ask myself, and, and it's, I think it's a healthy thing to, to ask and to consider. It's kind of dark if you think about it that way, but, but the question is this, what eulogy am I living? What eulogy am I living? 
You know, the eulogy we live is, is based on the actual, not the intentions we have in life, but the actual direction we have in life. Our actions are what bring about the eulogy that we live, because hopefully when we get to the end of our days, people stand up to share, they have hopefully some good things to share about a positive impact that we made in their lives. And so, like, what eulogy am I living is a question that, I, it's a healthy question for me to ask, and, and I'll ask the same question to you. What, what eulogy are you living? What, what eulogy are you living today? What kind of movement are you making in your life that would make someone remember you in a certain way? Because all of us are living our eulogy right now. And in the passage we're going to look at in Matthew, um, Jesus is going to get at this kind of question and to give us some direction on the kind of lives we want to live and he wants us to live and that we should live in light of who God is and what he's called us to do as we live this life and really live our eulogies. Aren't you so glad you came to church? So exciting. Well, Brandon's depressing. Okay, cool. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Um, this is what Jesus says to his followers, and it's what he says to us. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, sometimes in our lives, Jesus shows up and he shakes and disrupts us. He shows up and, and he either gives us a warning or sometimes we're so far into life just kind of on autopilot, he has to give us a wake-up call. Like how many of us in this room um, live just, we, we've had, we probably all have had seasons like this where the days that we live, we just kind of live to get through the day. Right? We're living for Friday or whatever day you have where you can kind of say, okay, I'm ready to check out and unplug from this kind of difficult life and I'm going to ready to just kind of enjoy life because it's the weekend and I don't have to work. Like how many of us have maybe even strung a few of those days or maybe many days together where we're just like living to get through the day and we look back and we realize that we're just kind of living to get through life. We're just, just trying to get through it versus actually living the kind of life that God calls us to. Now, I know this is kind of a, an odd kind of angle because if you've been in church for a little while, you may have heard sermons on this passage or maybe you've been reading your Bible and you've read this passage. This kind of perspective is not what came to mind, but I believe that Jesus is giving us a kind of a path and a picture to understand that, that what we do in this life actually matters. And who we live for makes a difference on the life that we're actually going to live. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Um, this is kind of the practical application of someone who is loving money. right? They just kind of live to accumulate 
And they live to acquire, and then when they get to the end of their days, the, the level of success that they feel like they had, maybe if they acquired a lot, they feel like they did well, but then they get to the end of their days and they feel empty. See, how many of us kind of feel like this life is just kind of a game? Kind of just, we get up, we go to work, we get off work, we go home, and we make dinner, and we eat, and then we get up, and we do it all over again, and it's just kind of like, well, I guess this is it. You know, there's, there's a game called uh, Life, a board game, right? The game of life. How many of us have played the game of life? Okay. So sometimes, um, you know, so, okay, if you're not sure about the game of life, or maybe give, it, give you a little bit of a, a refresher, the game of life is basically this board game where um, the, the whole goal is to, like, kind of go through the stages of life and to uh, get to it. So, like, basically, here's the thing, right? You get, you get this car, a little... little you know, you're a little, this little peg thing, and you're living life. Hopefully, you get married, you know, you kind of hit that, and then you get married if you want to get married. If you don't want to get married, and then you hit that thing, and then you get married, and you're like, ah, I don't want to do that. But then, you know, it's the game of life, so you just kind of take what you get. Anyway, um, and then, you know, you get a job, maybe you get a promotion, maybe you get some kids, and, and you need those promotions because those kids, as they get older, they get really expensive. Amen? Can I get a witness? Okay. Um, and then, you know, hopefully you get another raise and another raise because then you, you got to keep up with inflation and all that. And the person who wins the game is the person who acquires and accumulates the most stuff or the most money at the end, right? So you can enjoy an awesome retirement, right? On a beach somewhere or something. Or if you don't like the beach, you don't go there for your retirement. Go to the mountains or something. You know, go where you want. That's the whole idea. It's like you win by acquiring and accumulating the most stuff, the most treasures on earth as you possibly can. And hopefully the moth doesn't show up, the rust doesn't show up, and hopefully the thieves don't break in and steal, because, like, that's not going to be good. Or, you know, some kind of flooding or something like that. You know, hopefully you got insurance, all that. Anyway, um, that's the game of life. And some of us can, can, you know, we've played the game of life on a board game, but some of us can maybe live life and kind of feel like that's all it is. It's just we're kind of going through this game. And that can be really kind of depressing. Because, like, you know, there, there can be um, unrighteous... Oh... We did it again. Oops, I did it again. Uh, that's the inside joke with the tech team because this happened first service too. Okay, we're back. Okay. Um, you know, because sometimes you lose power because you didn't pay the bill, you know, because of the game of life. Um, where was I going with all that? Okay. So uh, basically, you know, we have these, these moments in our lives where we're just kind of getting through it. We're getting through it and we're not really living really the life that God wants us to live, but we're just living and it kind of feel like a game and it can kind of feel... Depressing, because then, you know, there, there are such a thing as unrighteous rich people and unrighteous um, poor people. That, that the thing that Jesus is talking about is not, um, you know, predicated on the amount of uh, income that you make. It's predicated on where your heart is, and that's exactly what he says. Um, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, let me ask you a question, and this is really a question I have to ask myself too, so I'm not just asking you, I'm asking me. And I've been asking myself this longer because, you know, I was, I prepared this message before now, you know. Are you feeling unsatisfied with your life? Are you feeling unsatisfied with your life? Uh, when, you, when you look at the way you're living today, like when you look back at the rest, you know, what has come before, do you feel pretty good about it? And let me ask you this. Um, if you continue living the way you are living right now for the next 10 years... When you get to the 10 years from now self of you and you look back at the last 10 years, will you be happy you lived that way? Will you be satisfied that the things that you did, the time you spent, the things you focused on, would you be satisfied with that kind of life? 
Because really that's the question that Jesus is trying to get us to ask. It's like, are you living a life that actually honors God or are you living a life that will leave you at the end of your days in a state of mind where you realize you did not live for the right things? Let's look at this again. Matthew chapter 6. Starting verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Y'all, you just know this. The kind of return on investment that you get when you store your treasures in heaven is is far greater than any of the returns that you get on this earth. You see, the, the returns that you get in heaven are not predicated on a healthy economy here. Isn't that good news? That's really good news because it's kind of, you know, right now. Inflation is not, you know, like this, it's, it keeps up with inflation, it goes beyond it. Um, this is a good kind of investment for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also, Jesus says. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus talked about money quite a bit. Um, and it wasn't because he was trying to get something from you. It was, he was trying to help you to make sure that you don't live a life enshackled to the Benjamins. Or the George Washingtons. You know, whatever. Depending on what the scale is. Like, don't be shackled. Like, it's okay to have money. Jesus just doesn't want your money to have you. He, he wants, it's okay, but, but he wants, because he, he knows how, how danger, dangerous this thing is. How alluring it can be. Because once you get a little bit more, you realize, I'd like to have a little bit more. It's just never, never, never enough, right? I won't do that again, don't worry. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus is saying this and talking to us about this because it's really a matter of the heart. Like, it's not good for your heart and for your soul to have your treasure on earth. Like, what do you treasure? What do you treasure? What do you treasure most? Uh, he's saying, hey, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break into steel. Because a lot of times in that day, in the first century, their, their treasures would have been in like garments and precious metals. Not unlike here, right? The nice clothes, you got some nice jewelry, you got some money in the bank. Well, what can happen? Well, thieves can break in and steal. You know, banks can go bye-bye. Um, and and this, this stuff can wear out. So do you put your treasure here on earth or do you put your treasure in heaven that's an important question. So one day Jesus was, was traveling as he would normally do because he was homeless. Um, and he was walking through this town and, and word got around um, that Jesus was there. And this was by the time where Jesus had already gone viral. Y'all, there's been a bunch of TikToks, a bunch of Twitter posts, a bunch of Facebook 
uh, Instagram, you know, it was all ages. Everyone was sharing what that, okay, social media wasn't there back then. Okay, you, you track it. But you get the idea. People knew about what Jesus was doing. They were hearing about him, and they wanted to go and see him. So the, the street was lined with people just trying to just get a glimpse of Jesus. Maybe he would do this awesome miracle in their presence. So um, as Jesus is arriving into this town, a man named Zacchaeus gets word about Jesus showing up. Now, here's the thing about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was known as a, his, his, you know, his LinkedIn said chief tax collector, you know. Um, he had been doing that for a while. So basically, the chief tax collector was the, was the boss, you know, the mob boss of all of the other tax collectors. And tax collectors worked for the Roman Empire, but they also worked for themselves in some ways because uh, the Empire of Rome required them to collect taxes from the people because, you know, Uncle Rome and Uncle Sam, they're going to get theirs, right? Um, and so they would collect taxes. But here's the thing with the tax collector. You could, you could require them to pay more than what is required, technically, and you could get that money. And the chief tax collector would get a, a little piece of the pie from all of his tax collectors. You know, so he was able to make money off of the ones who were you know, practicing thievery, basically, against the, the people of the day. So, so Zacchaeus was loaded, is what I'm saying, okay? Um, and so, but he was short. So, you know, he, he, he couldn't see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus, but he's, you know, he's trying, he's probably shorter than me because I'm really average. And, and he's like trying to peer over the people to get a little glimpse of Jesus, but he couldn't. And so Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus, not because he followed Jesus. You know, he was living a sinful life, but, but just because he wanted to see him. He was intrigued by him. So Zacchaeus gets up a sycamore tree, right? And, you know, like this, we man, it's like a song, right? I didn't grow up in church, so I don't know. But some of you can sing. It has motions. Okay, all right. Um, whatever. Uh, okay, so some of you are doing this. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Zacchaeus goes up a tree. Uh, for those of you who didn't grow up in church like me, I know. I have, I'm, I'm lost too. Anyway, so Zacchaeus, back to the actual account. Zacchaeus climbs up a tree, and, and as Jesus is walking down the street, he sees this guy, this grown man, you know, in a tree. like, You know, and Jesus is like, hey, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is like, you know my name? And Jesus invites Zacchaeus to come down from the tree and says, I'm going to stay at your home today. Jesus invited himself over. You know, he's that guy. He's that friend. But he's God, so he can do that, right? Um, and so Zacchaeus has Jesus come to his house. And we don't know what happened while they were eating and while they were talking. We don't know what happened. But what we do know is Zacchaeus had an absolute heart change. Because Zacchaeus is like, oh man, okay, here's what I'm going to do, Jesus. Because I've wronged so many people, this is Brandon's trend, like, you know, this is paraphrasing. Because I've wronged anyone, I know that I've wronged many people, and, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to not only pay them back what I've wronged them, but I'm going to actually pay double. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go above and beyond. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to make it right. Because he realized that while he was living life to store up treasures on earth, where, where he was basically being the thief for the people, um, he, he realized that Jesus is the one where his heart needs to be, where he, he is worth treasuring above all other things. And Jesus responds to Zacchaeus' repentance and says, Today, salvation has come to this man his house, for he is a child of Abraham. For the Son of Man, referring to himself, has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And so Jesus sees this man's repentance 
Because the, the location of his heart changed from treasures on earth through to treasures in heaven. Um, here, here's the thing, y'all. Um, if you're unsatisfied with your life, uh, God is giving you this a beautiful opportunity to change. To change your mind. To change your direction. The, the biblical word for that is repent. To change your mind and change your direction. And, and that's what Zacchaeus did. And notice what happened with Zacchaeus. It wasn't just that he, his spiritual heart and soul repented, but he also made sure his money repented too. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he went from being greedy to generous. Because he had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with Jesus. So Zacchaeus, at this point, saw clearly for the very first time, and that changed his life, and that changed his actions. See, when uh, in, in verse 22, where Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That word healthy in the Greek, uh, many commentators believe that that is a double entendre or double entendre, I don't know, whatever you prefer. Double entendre, it has a double meaning. So like the double meaning is this, like they, they would use this expression like the evil eye, we don't really use that anymore, but the idea is that, you know, you got an eye that is always desirous of evil and always kind of like making you be split in what your motives are and your affections are. So, you know, you want to do good, but you don't because you're always looking over here. Um, so this idea of a healthy eye is a double entendre in that it means both loyalty to the one you're supposed to be loyalty, loyal to, and that is to Jesus, that you're loyal to him. And at the same time is that you are generous with your actions, with your life. So a healthy eye is both loyal to Jesus and generous. And so, the, but he's saying, like, if, if, you, if, you, if your eye is bad, th- then, then you're, you're probably going to be struggling with these two masters that are at work, and one of them is going to be money, or maybe for you it's not money, but it's something else that kind of masters you, but it's not going to be fully God. It's going to be, ah, maybe I'm, you know, surrendered to God sometimes, but that evil eye, just go do other things. That, that dishonor him. And this is not to say that any of us are going to be perfect. We're not, right? Like, that's why we need God's grace. But God's grace is not just to save us and to rescue, from a, rescue us from our sins and death, but to change us as well. So, so we're, we're to be changed by God. And that is exactly what we see happening with Zacchaeus. In a blink of an eye, in a moment, he repents. And it's not just him that's repenting, but it's also his bank account. That is repenting. You, you cannot serve both God and money, Jesus says. You can't, you can't. You just can't. Which basically the implication of that is that you and I are going to serve something or someone. You can't, you just, like you are not fully free. You will serve someone or something in your life. And the question is, is it going to be God who, who ha- wants what's best for you and is a good master? Or is it going to be something else that wants to give you the hope of something better, but will trip you up and take you out as soon as you start to trust it. See, the, the old com- comedian said, money talks, and all it ever seems to tell me is goodbye. But Jesus is not just saying that. Jesus says money doesn't just talk, 
It gives orders. Money doesn't just talk, it gives orders. It tells you, here's what you should do. To get more of it, to keep more of it, to, to keep it all for yourself versus being willing to share with others. Jesus is basically saying, hey, I don't want you to have a healthy bank account and a starving soul. I don't want you to have a nice house and an ugly life. Can, can you have a nice house and a nice life? Yes. Can you have a he- healthy bank account and, and, a, and a soul that's healthy? Yes. We're saying too often times we pick one over the other. Too often times we get our priorities all mixed up. Another day, Jesus was traveling, you know, because that's what he would do. Um, and uh, a man came upon Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? That's a big question that all of us one, would want to know, right? Hey, Jesus, if you were living in the time that he was incarnate in, in, in the body, like, you would probably have that question. Like, what, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Because I'd like to, you know, I, I, have a, I know that we, us humans have a tendency to die, so I'd like to have life after this, right? So this man, okay. And then Jesus says, well, what are the commands? What are you commanded to do? And, and he quoted some of the Ten Commandments. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Do that and you will live. But then the rich man is like, well, I've, I've been doing that since I was a kid. Like kind of implying, is, is there anything else? And Jesus says, well, now that you mention it, there is one thing. And, and the scriptures say that he loved him in this moment. Like Jesus, out of love, said this. All right. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. That's your one thing that you're missing. And, it, you know, he could have reacted like Zacchaeus and been like... Amen, Jesus, you're everything that I need. You are who I treasure. Like, that's, oh, I'm so glad I have you. Whatever you say, I'll do. But that's not how he responded. The man looked down out of sadness because he had a lot. We know him as the rich young ruler, the rich young man. He walked away from Jesus with his head down because he had a lot. And I would add that what he had, had him. And Jesus looks to his apostles right now in this moment and says, Hey, it is, it is, it's impossible for a rich person to get in the kingdom of heaven. It's like, it's, it's more likely that a camel will go through the eye of a needle than a rich person will get into heaven. It is really hard. And, and the apostles are like, whoa, Jesus, like, that's pretty drastic. Then who can be saved? Because, like, I don't see camels going through the eyes of needles. Like, you know? Well, Jesus says, with, with man, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus knew how heavy of, of, a, of a hold money can have on us, both for people who have none and both for ha- people who have a lot. Because if you have none and you're always wanting more, then, then it's still enshackling you. If you have more and you're always wanting more and trying to keep hold of it, you got the same issue. you got the same shackles. So, so Jesus is, is calling this man to let go of the master who is over him. By giving away all that he had, he would have been shedding himself of the servanthood of this impure master. 
But he wasn't ready to do that because it had a hold on his heart. So this man had just priorities that were all messed up, and that brings us back to the question. What eulogy are you living? What eulogy am I living? Because if I'm, if I'm under the master of money or possessions or materialism or any kind of thing of this earth, then I will not live a life of loving kindness, a life of mercy, a life of generosity. I will be looking out for how to get mine, how to look out for first place and first place only. And that is not the kind of life that Jesus describes is abundant in the scriptures. That's the kind of life that you get to the end of your days and you realize you were living a game. And you were playing the wrong one. You might have won at the game, but you were playing the wrong one. How bad would it be to get to the end of our life and, and realize we won the game we were playing, but we come to find out that it was, it was the wrong game to be playing. Uh, the question, like, how, how would your life be different today? How would your life be different tomorrow if God were fully in charge of it? How, how would your life be different if God were fully in charge of it? And, and you know, I know some of you have been self-professing Christians for a very long time. You've been in church. You've heard many sermons. You may have heard many sermons on this. This question is not a question that you should just kind of gloss over and be like, well, I've arrived. If you really follow Jesus, understand there's always something to learn. There's always something to grow in. There's always something to be willing to repent of. Because Jesus, his goal, the Holy Spirit indwelling you, the Holy Spirit's goal is for you to become more like Jesus. And last time I checked, <laughs> I'm not on that level. You're not on that level. And so there's always something to grow in. How would your life be different if God were fully in charge of it? Let, let me make this real practical. There's a couple of passages that I think make this kind of put some, some rubber to the road uh, on, on this kind of passage. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. You know, thinking about like a, what, what is treasure in heaven? What does it look like for us to store that up? Um, Paul says this, Instruct those who are rich in the present age, which, by the way, all of us are rich um, in this present age, here in America, um, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and willing to share. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, or heaven, so that they might take hold of what is truly life. What is truly life? It appears as though Paul is telling us that what is truly life is a, is a life where, yes, we might have some money. And, and in order for you to be generous with money, you've got to have some money to be generous with. Amen? Like, you've got to do that. Um, but his point is, like, we live a life like the first Christians did, where we were willing to share what was ours because we realized it wasn't ours in the first place. It was God's. And he gave it to us to, to steward and to manage and to... Be about making sure that others have what they need. It's this other's orientation when it comes to our finances that has to stem first as an other's orientation from our heart. Uh, you're not a generous person if you don't love people. 
You might do it for some tax benefits, but that was just a transaction. It was not generosity. What, what he's talking about is, is a willingness to be rich in good works, to be willing to do the, the, the righteous things for the right reasons, where you love God and you love people, you serve people, you show mercy to people. You're willing to, to be there when they are having a hard time and listen to them when they, when they just need an ear to hear. You're, you're willing to just walk with them through grief and sadness. You're willing to sit with them when they're angry. You're willing to be that kind of person who would share a story you would want them to share when it came time for your eulogy. Paul's telling us like it's, it's about the difference you make in the lives of other people. Uh, Hebrews 13.5, it says this. This kind of adds some flavor to it, too. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. That's so, <laughs> so convicting to me. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Be satisfied with what you have. Why? Because no matter if you have a lot or a little in terms of the treasures on this earth, you have more than you ever could imagine in the presence of Jesus. Be satisfied with what you... It's, it's one thing to be like, like, I'm just grinning and bear it based on what I have. But it's another thing to be satisfied and even thankful and grateful for what you have. To be satisfied. You know, I, I'm a dad of four kids, single income family. Like, as these kids get older, the costs just keep getting more. Have y'all noticed that? Yeah. Hallelujah. Like, Lord, please stop it, right? And so it's like, okay, be satisfied with what you have. Just to do the basics, you know, get them in some sports, do these things that, you know, are real first world problems. But to like pay the bills and, you know, make sure you do all that stuff too, practice generosity, like, it's just a lot. So I get it. I get it. And also, I get what he's saying. Because if I'm just living life to play the game, then I'm not living much of a life so here's the thing at the end of the day like each of us for me I can speak for myself I know for me at the end of my days I'm not going to be the one walking in the funeral home I'm going to be the one who's carried into it and you know hopefully some people show up And I, I, you know, when I think about the eulogy I want to live, like I, I, I want to live a eulogy where, like, I don't, there, there, no one feels the need to come to my kids and tell them, hey, you know, he just loved you in his own way, because there's doubt on whether or not I love them. I don't want to live a life like that. I want, I want them to know in the deep in their bones that Dad loved them and cared for them and was there for them and was always trying to point them. Jesus, you know, I, I want my wife when she's, you know, cause I'll probably go first, you know, uh, and, and I, I want her to be able to, um, to be able to look back at the life that we lived together and to be grateful for the time that we had and the, the time we laughed and the, the joy that we shared and the, the moments that we made together and to not be like just regretting that she chose to, you know, attach herself to me. I want her to be grateful for the time that we had, because she knew that I loved her well, that, that I that was there for her, that we were friends, 
And I want, you know, people who maybe have had interactions with me, friends and family and acquaintances and people I've never met to, to share some good things that I made an impact in their life. Showed them a little bit more about Jesus. Showed them a little bit more about how to love people. And yes, like just like you and I, like I'll have things that hopefully no one shares about because they were some of my bad moments, some of my mess-ups. Maybe they do share it, but they point to the grace of God because I didn't stay that way. You know, hopefully the eulogy people share is going to be one that is good and not just good because we feel bad because I'm dead, but one that's honest, honest and good. What about for you? There will be a time for you as well where you're carried into that funeral home and you're carried out and people will gather to share about their experiences with you. And they'll have some stories because we're all living a story. And, and the, the eulogy that they'll share is going to be dependent on the actions you took now. The, the kind of life that you actually live, not that you intended to live, but you actually lived. And, and this question on who do you serve, God or money, it really comes down to where was your heart and what kind of heart did you live with? I hope and pray, and I, and I know many of you are generous people. You, you follow Jesus and, and you're willing and you have made a difference in people's lives. And, and for that, like, keep that up. Like maybe just today's passage is a warning for you. Like, hey, just keep, keep on that path. You know, make sure that you prioritize being generous. Make sure that you prior, prioritize your money being subservient to God. Make sure that you, your, your budget reflects the kind of lifestyle that God's calling you to, that he describes in the scriptures. Maybe it's just a, a reminder and a warning to make sure that you spend your life well, spend your time well. You make sure that you prioritize people over profits. Um, but maybe for some of us, this isn't just a warning. It's a wake-up call. Because maybe you've allowed your desires and your affections, whether you have a lot of money or a little, maybe you've ha- allowed that to kind of consume your heart or that's all you think about. That's where you, all you focus on. And your relationships are being hindered because of it. And and you would look back at the life that you've lived for the past 10 years or so, and you would say, I really don't think that I'm honoring God with my life. Uh, Not that you're trying to be perfect, because you can't. That's a fleeting kind of endeavor. But you would look back and you say, have I really grown much in the last 10 years? And and maybe you would say no. And I would just say, like, there is this opportunity that you and I all have just like Zacchaeus, where we can just decide that we're going to repent and turn back to Jesus and see that he is the one who has our heart, that needs to have our heart. That is where we want to put our treasure, to honor him, our king. And you can decide that you're going to, you're going to make a change and make a shift. You're going to prioritize what Jesus would want you to prioritize, to love him and to love people in actual tangible ways, to be generous and willing to share, to be rich in good works. And maybe that for you is, is the wake-up call because you know that you've not been going down that path. And if that's you, then I would encourage you, talk to someone about it. You can spend some time in prayer right now, just get, getting with God and asking Him to search your heart. Um, or, and or, you can talk to someone. And maybe you need to surrender 
uh, to him something you've never surrendered to him in, uh, to just start trusting him in that, whatever it is. Maybe it's your finance, maybe it's something else. Um, but maybe for you, like you've not been following Jesus, you never have, and you need to surrender to him uh, in faith, in, in allegiance. And maybe you need to surrender to him in baptism and, and take a step of faith. If that's you, then don't, don't leave today without taking that step, whatever that is. And if you need some help on discerning what that is, then I'd be glad to talk to you after service. Welcome center. Uh, glad to talk to you or even set up a time to talk later. It's fine too. How would your life be different if God were fully in charge of it? That's a question that all of us can't outgrow asking. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray and we're going to sing. Jesus, you are good and faithful and we are so grateful for that because not only do you teach us insight that we need to know and you show it to us in powerful ways through your word and through the interactions you had and the stories you told, but, but you're, you haven't left us to just depend on what you've said in the past, but we're so grateful that, you've, that you're with us here and now. You will never leave us or forsake us. That in you we have everything we need and more. Um, help us to live like that. If, if anyone else is anything like me, it's easy for us, these for me, to, to get really caught up in what, what needs to be accomplished to, to be saved for this and this kind of cost and this kind of thing. And this is coming up. And, and God, um, like you're going to show us later in this passage, like you're going to show us that we have not a whole lot of things to worry about because you provide us what we need. Help us to trust that. And God, if there's anything in our heart that we have not surrendered to you, please, please invade us and show us and make it to where we cannot avoid it. Please hear us as we sing to you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.